Jess here on the Go and Tell Gals podcast. Today, we are talking about boundaries. And I have to tell you guys, I honestly was not prepared for the different, maybe immediate gut reactions that we would get to talking about boundaries. But I was so blessed and I am so blessed that people were so honest and upfront with me when I said we were going to start talking about boundaries. So I want to just start right here at the very top of this podcast episode, just saying like, you're all welcome here. So if you are a person who is like, I do not live a boundaried life at all. I don't have a single boundary in my life. Everything is on and ready and open at all times. And that works for me. I want to say, welcome. You're so welcome here. If you're a person who really loves boundaries and loves thinking about boundaries, then you're going to love this episode. And obviously you're welcome here. If you're a person who's a little skeptical about boundaries and feels like, hold on one second, is this biblical? Aren't we taking this whole thing too far? you are welcome here. And really what we're going to do in this podcast episode, as always, is kind of just identify, hey, here are some challenges for women on mission. Here are some things we see in scripture. Here are some kingdom principles that we think might help you. I am 110% not the end all be all expert on boundaries. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to share a few really helpful resources. But to get started, I just want to say like, you're all welcome here. I am not the expert, but I'm going to share a little bit of what I've heard you say are your challenges and what we think might be some kingdom principles that are rooted in scripture and rooted in a spirit-led love for people. And we'll see where we land. I pray it'll encourage you and bless you and help you set some boundaries if that's what you need to do and feel encouraged by that. So with that being said, let me start with, I've got to introduce myself. If you've ever listened to the podcast, hey, I'm Jess Connolly. It's so good to meet you. But I want to give you a little bit more insight about my life because context matters. And so I say this often about different topics that you need to understand where I'm coming from, as I would need to understand where you're coming from if you shared your thoughts on any topic, but specifically on boundaries. So let me give you a little more context with what I'm working with. I am 37 years old, if that helps to know. I have four kids aged 15 to nine. I work full time, mostly out of the home, you know, it's the pandemic. So who knows when we're in the home and out of the home at this point, but I split my work time about, I'd say 70, 30, about 70% of my time is spent running, go and tell gals. And the other 30% of my time is spent working on the volunteer staff of my church. The church that my husband and I lead, we actually started eight years ago. And my official role on volunteer staff, meaning I work for the church, but I don't get paid gladly and willingly, is that I actually lead our staff. So that's my job. That's what I do. And at Go and Tell Gals, leading Go and Tell Gals means that I'm pretty much our chief content producer. I write the books that we help market and sell. I teach on stages when I travel to teach the Bible. I 
lead by showing up on this podcast and doing interviews and doing coaching. I also do a lot of our writing that you're going to see content wise on the internet, Instagram poster or emails, not all of it, but some of it. I also coach coaches through Go and Tell Gals because a part of our business is that we lead and help other women become coaches and step into their God-given calling. And I coach women in podcasting and small business and writing and speaking, all these things. So all of this kind of makes up my day job. I don't do it all every day, but that's kind of what my day job looks like. And the reason why I give that context is because you can see just from hearing that is that I have a lot of overlap in my life. I've got a lot of different roles going on and a lot of my life is pretty intensive and in-depth ministry. I don't go into a room and like sit by myself all day. I'm not working with numbers. When I go to work, I'm pretty much always doing intensive soul work about my soul, either writing or creating content or somebody else's soul. If I'm doing, if I'm coaching them or if I'm thinking about them on this podcast. So I just say that because I just pray it gives a little bit more context for you of what I'm working with. If I was a woman who had no boundaries whatsoever it would probably be incredibly dangerous for my soul. Now, that being said, I'm an Enneagram 8, wing 7. And so for any of you who care or think about the Enneagram, that might even give you a little more context. I'm going to be someone as an Enneagram 8 who leans more towards control and wanting to feel safe. And so boundaries are going to be important to me in that. But I also have a wing 7, which means I love fun and I love spontaneity. And I'm a very social person even though I'm an introvert. So I love including people. I love inviting new people into my life. All of those things are life-giving for me. But that kind of, I hope, just again, sets a little bit of context that helps set the stage a little bit for where I'm coming from when I talk about boundaries. Likewise, a lot of times women will ask me about planning or like strategically, logistically, planning out my week. And I am a very intentional and strategic planner. I plan out my outfits. I plan what I'm going to eat. I plan everything. That's life-giving for me because of my circumstances and because of my setting. It doesn't actually feel like striving for me. Instead, if I show up into the week and I don't have a plan, I feel out of control. So the same is true for me with boundaries. And so I would say all of this, we're saying all of this is what is healthy for you. Take what's healthy for you. Take what's life-giving for you. Some of the boundaries I might talk about today, you might hear it and say like, that is not loving. That is not kind. That is horrible. That would never work for me. And I would say like, absolutely, that might never work for you. It might not be loving for you, loving to you or loving to the people around you. But for me, it's right and it's good. And likewise, you might have even more stringent boundaries than I ever would. And I meet people like this all the time who say like, I can't believe you write your most intimate details in a book for thousands and thousands of people to read. And I'm like, totally, you shouldn't do that if it's not life-giving for you. It's pretty life-giving. For me. So I think we've set the stage to say your context matters, your personality matters, your life stage matters, and bring all this to the table when we talk about it. So that's part one. Part two, we're going to say, we're going to try to make it through potentially 10 or 11 parts today. So just from a planning perspective, measure that out. This is part two. Part two is, One of the most helpful things I learned from the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, which is one of my top resources I would suggest, is that boundaries are defensive, not offensive. 
So right off the bat, this is what you need to know about the practice of setting boundaries. For so many people, our immediate gut response to someone setting a boundary is offense. And we assume that someone else's immediate gut response to us setting a boundary will be offense because we think of boundaries as defensive, as something that we're doing against someone else. But for the context of this podcast, and I believe for the context of talking about healthy boundaries in general, let's go ahead and decide together that boundaries are about defending, protecting our soul, taking care of the good and beautiful thing that we have to steward, which is our heart, our soul, our mind, our spirit. And we want to take care of that, not leave it open to being hurt by the world, right? So point number one, some boundaries are going to work for you and some aren't. Point number two is that boundaries are defensive. They are not offensive. Okay, let's move on to point number three. This is something that a lot of you wanted to not debate, but just you wanted to hear more as we talked about this on Instagram and on Facebook and we heard a lot of feedback that the question was, did Jesus set boundaries? And I think this is such a good and beautiful question to ask because I want to tell you, I want to model my life after Jesus. I'm with you. And I see Jesus as being full of sacrificial love and mercy. I see Jesus as going beyond his own capacity to love as a human. I mean, we see him, you know, worrying about something to the point of sweating blood. We see him dying on the cross. That was not a boundary to move, right? That wasn't like a tidy standard move. But that being said, I want to highlight a few other times in scripture that we absolutely do see Jesus setting boundaries. So let me give you some examples. Number one, many times in scripture, we see Jesus meeting his own personal needs. And I would say that's a form of a defensive boundary. He was taking care of himself. He walked. He took naps. He took time to relax. He got food when he needed food. And so we see him caring for his physical body and for his own spirit and soul and mind. We see Jesus withdrawing from crowds to go on retreat, to go be alone, or to go be with his closest disciples. There are times in scripture specifically where it will show us that Jesus would withdraw from a crowd that had many multitude of people who were either waiting to hear him teach or who wanted to be ministered to him, who wanted to be ministered by him. And he would withdraw to get what we can assume he needed and or desired in that moment. We see Jesus draw boundaries with his mother and his brothers in Matthew 12 when they tried to use their relationship to pull him away from a crowd. We see Jesus either refusing to answer questions or not allowing himself to answer a question or like essentially just withdrawing when religious leaders were trying to trap him. We hear and see Jesus saying no to people who demand things of him in scripture. We see Jesus say no to manipulation when people are trying to bring him agendas that he doesn't want to step into. And so all of these like simple no's or drawing away or taking a nap in the midst of a storm when his disciples were stressed out, all of these times were just simple moments that I think we can really see Jesus setting boundaries. Now, looking at all of scripture, 
Do we see boundaries in all of God's word? Do we see it outside of the story of Jesus? I believe I would give a hearty yes, we do. We see God establishing boundaries for his people. We see God establishing his law and covenants, which are boundaries. We see God giving Adam and Eve boundaries, even in the Garden of Eden. You can eat from this tree, but not of this tree. And so all of this, I would say we can deduce that boundaries are biblical and Jesus set boundaries too. Now, what I love about this, and you may have caught onto this if you've listened to the podcast at all, but we often say, anytime someone asks us, how do you balance X and Y? How do you balance A and B? That we have to pause and say, are these two things that need to be balanced? Or do we need to dive into both of them? So I would say the same. If someone were to ask me, how do I balance having boundaries and being like a compassionate and loving and giving person, I would say you don't have to balance those things. You can have boundaries and be a compassionate person. Moreover, I'm going to kind of misquote Dr. Brene Brown, but she has, has said in the past in multiple different places, boundary people are often the most compassionate people. Because when you have adequate boundaries for your soul, for your mind, for your spirit, for your body, you actually are able, you have the energy and you have the insight and you have the ability to love people in a whole new capacity. So point one, you can only look at boundaries in your context for your personality What is right for me will not be right for you. What's right for someone else will not be right for you. Number two, boundaries are defensive, not offensive. Number three, did Jesus set boundaries? I would say yes. All right, point number four. I share with you earlier in the episode, if you haven't heard, that part of what we do at Go and Tell Gals is that we train other women to be coaches. Sometimes we have women who just feel like, hey, I might be a coach. I want to learn how to do this. And sometimes we'll meet women who are already coaches, but just want to grow in their coaching capacity. And so we've developed this licensing program where we essentially just come alongside women and help them in all forms of coaching and help them really learn how to execute it better and to do it in a really fruitful way. And one of the first things that I'll tell you, just totally behind the scenes, that we teach our coaches is that access is not the same thing as equity. So this is point number four. Access is not equity. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of times a coach will think, you know what, if I give a client, whether they're a a health coach or a relationships coach or a life coach or a business coach, that woman will oftentimes think, if I can give my client, this person I'm trying to help, unlimited access to me. If she can reach me on my phone, if I tell her like, hey, I'll be here for any questions you have, then she will feel well served, right? She'll feel like, oh, this person, I have so much access to this coach. She's on my team. But then what we've seen happen time after time after time is that when there are no boundaries and a coach has given so much access to herself, she no longer has the insight, the energy, the wisdom to actually help the people that she's trying to help. And so one thing we teach our coaches is, hey, don't worry so much about access, but worry about what you can actually give to your clients that will serve them and help them get unstuck. And so don't begin to see access, this 
unfettered openness to be able to get to you whenever somebody wants. Don't see that as like equity. Don't see that as some kind of beautiful thing that you're giving them. Because in the end, it may mean that you can't give them the best of you anymore. I would say this is absolutely true in so many different forms of mission. This is true in motherhood. How many of you moms have had to hide in a bathroom? How many of you have had to walk around the block and cry for a second so you can go back in and give your kids the absolute best that you have? How many times have you gone away for a weekend and come back only to realize that you're refreshed and ready to love again? How many times have you put a kid to bed and an hour after they're asleep realized like, man, I really love that kid. They were hard when they were awake, but now that they've been away for an hour, now that they've been asleep, now that they're sleeping sweetly in their bed, I have so much more to give them. Ruth Haley Barton is one of my favorite authors and and leaders in ministry, and she often says this phrase that there's something called the ministry of absence, and that a lot of times by just being absent from the people that we love and that we're serving and that we want to lead, we give them so much more. And so I just want to put this point out there right now that we need to differentiate the idea that always being available is is really not necessarily always best. Now, listen, let me tell you, I want to be an available person. I want to be an available mom. I want to be an available minister. I don't want to always be too busy. I don't want to always be distracted. I don't want to always tell someone like, sorry, I can't see you or sorry, I can't do that thing for you. I don't have time. I don't want to be that girl either. But I know that if I don't set some boundaries around when I'm available, I will have nothing to give. And if I'm always available to everyone all the time, then I'm never available to the people that I'm with when I'm with them, including God. If I'm always available and reachable by text, then when do I have time alone with God? When do I get to spend time in silence? If I'm always available to my team at work, then when am I just there for my family? If I'm always available to my family at all times, then when do I get to help lead other women? Sometimes there's going to have to be some boundaries, right? Right. So let's keep moving on. Point number five, and it's really just kind of an open-ended question. Ask and let you think through it. You can know I'm thinking through it too. One question we're going to ask together is when is it okay to set a boundary? Is it better to set it when something's gone wrong or when nothing has gone wrong? When is the appropriate time to set a boundary? Is it after someone has done something that has maybe been hard for you or is it before? I think even in asking this, all of us kind of know like, man, it's always helpful if you can ward off a problem before it comes. <laughs> it's always helpful if you can like stop a problem before it happens. But that being said, I don't think any of us want to enter any relationship or any situation saying like, hey, here are all the things that are off limits for me. I can't do X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I think it's really just helpful in every situation, in every relationship, in every setting to ask, how can I communicate my boundaries in a non-threatening way before they're encroached upon? So let me give you an example. A boundary for me that works for me is that I turn off my phone on my Sabbath. It's usually off from about Thursday to 5 p.m. until about Saturday at like 9 or 10 a.m. And at this point in my life, most of my people know this. Most of my family knows this. I'm, I'm reachable in an emergency. My husband usually has his phone on, etc. But for the most part, my phone's going to be off that amount of time. 
But a few months ago, I made a new friend, which I love making new friends. And and I could tell this was going to be a deep friendship. And it was so loving and kind to me that as this friend and I were getting closer, she actually said to me, she was like, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about your boundaries with your phone? Because I've noticed you have some interesting rhythms and I just want to know you better and understand this. And I was like, wow, thank you so much for asking. And also thank you for asking in that way. But it made me think I'd love to communicate this in a way that isn't threatening because again, boundaries are not offensive. It's not that I don't like people. It's not that I think people are bothering me. It's just that I want them to be defensive. This is a defensive rhythm for me that helps me disconnect from the world and connect with my own soul and connect with God and really take a rest day. And so I think at the core of this question is, when is the best time we can express a boundary in a way that reminds people it's not about them, it's about us? Now, what's hard about this is that it does take some fancy footwork if someone has hurt you in a way or frustrated you in a way or stepped into your life in a way that has been not good and then you have to set a boundary. But even then, I actually totally believe it can be done with humility and kindness and grace. So I would say the high points here are don't apologize for your boundary because it's not a problem. If you have a boundary that is defensive, that is good for you, that is good for your soul, that you feel good about, I would love to encourage you with this word. Like it is not a problem. It is not something you need to apologize for. So keep it like, I'm sorry, or I'm so silly out of your explaining, but do just share it in humility and in love and remind them that this is about you and not about them. All right, let's move on to point number six. I say this a lot around our office and I say it a lot around my life and I just want to hand you this phrase, hand you the slogan that I think it's time that we make saying no okay again. And I don't even know that this is the right phrase to use because I don't know that saying no has ever really been that okay, at least not in American Christian culture, but it feels really, really, really important. I don't know about you, but a few years ago, I started seeing like Instagram posts and different memes and like inspirational statements popping up about saying no. And it seemed like everybody is really cool with like people saying no. But what I've noticed is that in actuality, people still don't like to be told no. And I think that one of the best ways that we can change this in our culture and in our relationships is by practicing saying no when we need to. And by joyfully and thankfully and gratefully accepting other people's no's. So here's what I mean. If you are asked to serve in some way at your church and you know you don't feel called to it and you know it's not right for you and you know you don't have time for it, say no. If someone asks to spend time with you and you realize like there is literally no way I can make this work and keep my peace and be a whole human and be present where I need to be, don't say like, oh, let me see if I can make it happen and then cancel on them. Say no up front and do it again without apologizing, without over explaining, but just gently and kindly saying like, I'd love to make that happen and it's not a right time for me. I won't even share here because this podcast episode is already going to be so long, but there are a million resources on how to say no gently. You can Google it, how to say no gently or how to say no in a kind way and you will find a million different statements. But more than that, the flip side of this is 
because I believe we need to get really good at hearing no too. And so lately, if someone tells me no, I will try to say like, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. And I'll try to just inspire them to say no again when it's time for them to say no, because that a brave, bold, beautiful no is a really faithful step. And it often takes genuine bravery and courage to say it. All right, gals, I'm actually going to pause right here and ask this helpful question. I pray it'll be helpful. What does it look like? I mean, what does it actually look like for someone to enact a boundary, for someone to say, okay, we need to draw a line here. This is no longer maybe the most helpful or healthy thing. I'm going to actually do that right now kind of kidding and kind of not by pausing on this podcast because this feels like such an important conversation that I don't want to rush through it and cram, 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 cram as much as I can into this segment together. So I'm going to enact a boundary right here and stop myself from saying anything else right now. I'm going to just pause. We're going to come back to it because I obviously have more to share. I know you guys have already been sharing so much in Instagram and in our going tell gals community group on Facebook. So let's keep chatting there and let's pick up. We'll come back to this conversation in just a few episodes, but this podcast episode is not totally over. We actually have a quick chat coming up for you with Anna and Caroline and oh my goodness, you are not going to want to miss it. Keep listening. Anna and Caroline from Team Go and Tell Gals here. We wanted to take a quick minute in this podcast to tell you about Go and Tell Gals, a newest product experience. We don't quite know what to call it, but it's called Map to More. We are so excited. So we're going to do a quick Q&A about the new product to help you learn more. Yeah. So the first question we've gotten a lot is what exactly is Map to More? And it is a physical product. It's a printed five section guide to help you define your path, own your calling and make your next move. So when you order Map to More, you're going to get a physical notebook and in it is going to be journaling prompts, scripture study, coaching, and some action steps. And it also includes guided texts from Jess and the Go and Tell Gals team. Um, if you pre-order, we'll do some live text texting back. So we'll actually get your texts and then our team will text you back, which is super fun. We will include free shipping and a mirror cling as well. We are also getting the question of a lot that is, is this for me? Who exactly is the map to more for? And our answer is that it's probably for you. This guide is for any woman who has wondered if she's doing it right. It's for any gal who has wrestled with her own feelings of discontent or longing. And this guide is for anyone who wants to believe God has more for her, but maybe they just need a little help getting there. If you've ever wondered, is there more than this, or is it okay if I want more than this, this product is for you. Another question we're getting is, what if I don't know what my calling or mission is? And Here's the thing. We know that we use language about mission a lot. And if you don't know what your mission is or really even understand what the word mission means, that's okay. This is for you. And that's exactly what this product is supposed to do. It is supposed to be kind of an entry point to get you asking questions to really dive into what mission means in your life, wherever you are. You don't have to 
go across the world or change your community or do anything drastic, your life is a mission field right where you're at. And this product is going to help you see that and understand how you can dig in even deeper. So inside the guide, there are five sections. It starts with invitation. Next, we go to audit, perceive, activate, and replicate. And the map to more is going to walk you through journaling prompts, scripture, and several written coaching strategies to help you through all of those sections. So at the end, you'll know where to find more in your own life. So final question is why pre-order? And that is just to ensure that you get in on the very first batch of guide shipping out. We talked about the texting component earlier, and we are going to start doing live texting on March 1st. And so by pre-ordering, it ensures that you get your guide in your hands before that so that you have time to opt in to get into your guide and to get those timely texts as you're completing your guide and really just mapping out what more looks like in your own life. And again, we're doing free shipping and a miracling with all pre-orders. So that is another fun reason to do that. And pre-orders are open through February 9th. So make sure that you get your order in before then. We're so excited. You can pre-order at the link in the show notes. Hey, we can't wait to see what more looks like for you. Thanks gals. We so pray you have enjoyed this episode of the Go and Tell Gals podcast. If you have not already joined our Go and Tell Gals community on Facebook, we would love to have you. That is where we keep this conversation going, is where we share even more resources, and we want to make sure you can hang out with us over there. Next week, we have an interview with Sherea Calabras. She is one of my favorite women to follow online. She is so wise. We are talking all things boundary and being a content producer and a content consumer. And in general, she's just an incredibly hope-filled, wise, gospel-centered woman. So you are not going to want to miss out. We love you. We bless you. We pray that you feel empowered as you go and tell the good news of Jesus right where you're at. Mm -hmm.